memories, you've got a friend in us. This is episode 20, Radio Flyer from 1992. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, to celebrate the occasion of th- this wonderful movie, uh, we, we are recording <laughs> live in person. You know, we've done a couple Hanks in person. We've done, it was uh, Sunny, Sunny, Sunny. Oh, yeah. Round we're, two, those season two. Those uh, bosom buddies. And then we did, oh, Man with One, one Red Shoe. Oh, that's right. Um, in person at my house. Yeah, and now Dabney here we are Coleman. Again, radio Flyer. That's right, at my house this time. Yes, welcome. So, um, I, boy. Oh so here's boy. the thing. So we are one episode away from the beginning of the run of Unimpeachable Classics, right? It'll yes. be there on us in two weeks, and then after that it's going to be Sleeps in Seattle, then Philadelphia, then Forrest Gump. Like, it's just like, this is like the ascendance of Tom Hanks is right there. Yeah. And right here mm. is Radio Flyer. <laughs> it's so weird that, like, this is stuck there. It's almost like the strangest pivot point I can imagine. Because he's, like, not credited... So in this a, movie, the, the there's like a lot of weird stuff thing, about him in this movie. The most fascinating thing about this movie is that he plays an old Elijah Wood. <laughs> yes. Do you think that would work today if they did Radio Flyer 2? I guess Elijah Wood's about, he's got to be older than Tom Hanks is playing him, His old because he's my age, so he's 40. If Hanks wasn't 40, no. So like, it would be funny to see a side-by-side comparison. I love it. <laughs> Do you think they realize that they played each other in a movie, like if they bumped into each other? I don't know because they're never they don't share they don't share scenes. That's what I'm saying. And there's also a third Hanks, like college age Hanks, which is a very very end you see from the back of him. Oh, I missed you that. Know, like he doesn't have any lines. He's just like you know when I was in college, I blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike, before we talk about this movie for I can't imagine more than fifteen or twenty minutes, <laughs> why don't you give the listeners oh, a sure. synopsis? So here's the, here's also the one thing the one point of clarification I want to say. Okay. Reading reviews on Letterboxd. All right. This feels like a movie that a lot of kids maybe grew up with, and I think mm. that there's a nostalgia play here. For a lot of people. Okay. And so I apologize in advance if we are if we don't not like it. nice to your favorite childhood movie, but ne- you had never seen this before, I'm assuming, right? No, no. I and never I never had it. either. Yeah. And so it, um, I don't know. Look, well, I'll just, <laughs> before I summarize, I'll just say, like, I, I, you know, I didn't grow up with this movie. I would have probably been the perfect age for it when mm-hmm. it came out. Mm-hmm. Richard Donner directed this thing, right? So it's got, like, an amount of prestige. I love Superman and Goonies and stuff like that. And I'm not going to be mean to it. And I have trivia about Richard Donner, too, so we'll get to that. But, you know, I'll commence now. So, okay. So So Radio Radio Flyer. Flyer. Yes. It is about. It's about... It's good old Tom Hanks. Uh, It starts with him, like, reminiscing about his youth to his two sons there at the airport on an airstrip. And he's talking to them about how when he was a young Elijah Wood, um, (laughs) him and his younger brother uh, and his mom moved away after their dad left. And when they got to their new town, his mom started dating a very abusive man that wouldn't hit Elijah Wood, but would, like, beat the shit out of his brother and hit the dog and all kinds of stuff. Played by... Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin. No, no relation. Who stated he will never do a role like the king ever again. That's That was his name in this movie? They called him the king. I don't know if... I don't okay. Know if that, I think he had an actual name, but I don't think they... Okay. So, uh, so the children try and, like, escape into some kind of, like, fantasy life a la Bridge, over, Bridge from Terabithia kind of thing, where, like, they play in the woods and they imagine, like, all this fantastic stuff. But it takes more of, like, a Stephen King turn for the worse sure. along the way. Um, it is relentlessly voiceovered by Tom Hanks at times like for for stretches of this movie basically you know 
it's telling the, you what's the, happening on screen. It's the only way that the movie has any ability to like convey anything happening. <laughs> kind of. There's not a lot of dialogue in this movie, I noticed. Yeah, but it, it's very. It tries to be whimsical. Anyway, in the end, the kids believe that if they can launch, if Elijah Wood can launch his younger brother off this cliff on the radio flyer red wagon that they souped up like because he, 10 years before another kid had done it yeah there's some legend about like if you can launch yourself off this cliff on your wagon like you keep going and that's exactly what happens at the end like he gets his brother away from the abusive guy i, I believe he get, the guy gets arrested i can't remember yeah. i kind of tuned out because <laughs> because like the mom like it ends with hanks explaining that like the mom never gave up looking for his brother yes. but elijah wood knew he was safe and then eventually they started getting postcards from yes. like around the world from like this what like eight-year-old kid at first yes like <laughs> and it and it just wraps back around the hanks being like so you know like that's the story of like your your great your great uncle the end so here's a more maybe succinct way to say it it's the story of an abusive man who killed his stepson what causing, what oh causing the boy's brother to enter a state of delusion and forcing him to commit mail fraud one postcard at a time all while dr melfi did nothing to stop it Oh, okay. I see what they did there. No, but so here's the thing. Oh, it is. It is Lorraine Bracco. It is Lorraine Bracco. So she plays the mom. So there is a lot of debate and a lot of discussion about whether or not the end should be taken literally. And Richard Donner says, yes, the ending should be taken literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantasy movie. It's like a whimsical kind of... So here's the thing. So when this movie came out... <laughs> I wish I wish what you're saying is true. I think... So, okay. So it has 33% of Rotten Tomatoes, 73% audience score. It cost $30 million to make. It made 4.6. Whoa. Critical whoa, commercial whoa, failure. Whoa, whoa. Right? Too dark for children. Too weird for adults. Yes. Like, Roger Ebert and... Gene said, no, Roger Ebert and Leonard Maltin were both like, no, this like makes child abuse okay. It's just like, hey, kids, like fantasy is going to be escapism. It's like, no, well, that's not. That's not what I took from. What I took from it is like children like can't process what's going on, so they escape into like a delusional sort of fantasy yes. world kind of thing. So right? here's a little bit of backstory before I get into my uh, my theory about the end. So this is written by a guy named David Mickey Evans. Okay. And he was this hotshot writer who I don't think ever I don't know if he'd ever like published or sold a script before. Okay. He sold a script for one point two five million dollars. Back in like back in ninety whatever, yeah, yeah. This was made in ninety two. So And so he was going to direct it as well. And so he gets hired mm. to direct, they cast everybody, they shoot for ten days, the studio's like, These dailies suck, you're oh, fired. No. They bring in Richard Donner, they bring in Richard Donner's wife as a producer. Yeah. The budget doubles from fifteen to thirty because they're like Richard Donner gets five yeah, million dollars. Money. They also cut out a ton of like supernatural and weird and surreal mm, yeah. fantasy elements. We only get the bison and a yes. few other things. And so apparently there is that the guy David Mickey Evans later would write a novella based on his screenplay hmm. and there's like fleshing things out a little more, like clarifying some stuff. Yes. And so it's called The King of Pacoma, Pacoima. And in the novella, Hanks' sons are named Wilbur and Orville. Oh, yikes. And also, just for the record, their last name in this movie is Wright. Like, you see it. So they are the Wright brothers. Oh, no. No. And Wait. The king, no, they're so here, not. So in the novella, the king dies of alcoholism, and it's strongly implied that Bobby, the brother, died in his flight. That Mike, the Tom Hanks character, imagines oh. the flight as a way of rationalizing his own role in the accident, and then adult Hanks takes his sons to see the radio flyer on, dis on display in the National Aerospace Museum, where it floats without any means of suspension, so just like this magic 
But that's thing. not in the movie. They're no, just at so, some random airstrip. So then Mike sees Bobby there, his brother, who apparently is maybe not dead, as an adult test pilot waiting to meet his nephews. So maybe that's a dream, well, too. Well, it's just like a Bagger Van situation kind of thing. So they filmed that <laughs> Jack ending. Lemon shows up as Bobby. <laughs> they filmed that ending. They filmed that? And they showed it to the test audiences. They're like, what the fuck is this? Like, they didn't understand any of it. And <laughs> no. so they, they scrapped it, and they just did the whole, like, wraparound where he's just, like, yeah. basically at the end, like, you know, never give up on your dreams. But that's it's very, all... It's very Hank's fatherly advice in this movie in the beginning and end. But that is... I need to see that. You know what that... Like, all this edited stuff, I want, like the sword fight from Bonfire, the vanities, yeah. this bizarro ending to this movie because it's so bizarro. That's incredible. So Richard Donner says the end, Bobby's flight should be taken literally as though it happened. Like, yeah. He's like, he actually That's how I took off, it. But then he's an eight-year-old boy traversing the world? Yeah, I know. That's how I took it. And uh, and that's why I was like, what? And that's why I gave this movie, what, like a star and a half? Yeah. I, I It really just irked me in a lot of other ways aside from like hard to understand what's going on scene by because there weren't even really like a lot of full scenes no. you know like just a lot of snippets and and i understand it's supposed to be some kind of like memory play going on but it's you know it's still a movie and it's a mainstream hollywood movie for children about abuse you can't get a like pretty sizable budget from 1992 yeah, you can't get too artistic with that the only other trivia that I have is that the role of Mike, who's uh, Elijah Wood, who I think does a pretty good job in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's always good. One of the other candidates, one of the other finalists, they had like 3,000 kids audition. They narrowed it down to eight. Obviously, Elijah Wood won, but Milo Ventimiglia was one of the Whoa. other eight. So that's just right. a weird kind of coincidence that like, Well, so you know, Elijah was like 11 or 12 when this came out. So I guess like maybe 10 or 11 when they shot it. Interesting. I didn't know Milo was acting that young. I didn't know of him until Heroes, right? Like, that's sort of... Because right, he's now, Rocky's son. Yes, he is. <laughs> yo. Hey, yo, Rock. <laughs> yo, yo, Dad. See, oh, what was his first acting? I, I, remember me, your son? Remember when you went to go live with Creed's son? You had, like, a real son? <laughs> he eventually showed up, right, in one of them to help? I he think was, so. His first role was in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in 1995, where he played party guest number one. So this was, like, wildly earlier. I guess they're like, didn't get that part. I'm going to go take it, you know. He looks a lot like my friend Brian, who's a U.S. Marshal, but I also feel like he looks like, like Zachary Quinto's brother or something, mm. you know, like. Was that ever a plot line on Heroes that he and Siler were related? Oh, yes, it was. There we go. I think it turned out that they had, like, the same dad. <laughs> that show went way off the rails, but the first Save season the is wonderful. Loved it. So, Mike, what was your favorite part in Radio Fly? <laughs> uh, the end. No, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I think, you know, I can't really say Hanks, you know what I'm saying? But I think, like, Hanks, when we get to it, like, is so fucking fatherly in this, it makes me want to puke. Oh, like, the answer to that question like, is definitely yes. Yeah, I mean, mm, my favorite part. Beep, 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 boop, boop, Hold on, we're doing another? Oh, it's like an Eli Roth, like, marathon Roth, here over at my oh, house. Yeah, okay. It was just knock, knock, now it's the Green Inferno. Um, but what is my favorite part of this movie? Let us see... I think... <laughs> Do you not have an answer? I might not have an answer. You know what I think I'm going to go with? I'm going to try and spin this into like a positive. Is uh, I like the general sort of idea they're going for, which I, you know, I mentioned like stuff like Bridge to Terabithia before, but I even feel like stuff like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe gets to this kind of thing where like children retreat while trying to deal with trauma because they're sort of too young to know how to do something like right. that and everything. And I, I appreciate the attempt here. Like, I could say that. Like, I understand what they're going for. I don't think that they pulled it off, but, you know, there aren't enough movies 
dealing with this kind of stuff and is kind of like bold and like they kind of have like some balls like trying to do this i feel and like you get away with it more now and stuff like it right like you got to spin it to like a horror movie but this really is sort of like there's no genre here it's really nebulous and weird and sort of like i'm not really seeing a lot of stuff like this so i'm gonna have to say my favorite thing is like the concept i guess like they you know the core of it like they try like what they were trying to go for is that okay? So the effort was there, it just wasn't the execution. All right. There are three specific things that I really liked. Number one, I like when they're hustling for golf balls. I thought that was <laughs> kind of a cool, funny scene. You know, their kids are trying to get money. They're trying to build this flying contraption. Yeah. And so they go to a, they, I think they live near a golf course, and they show up there, and they, they see these people just hitting golf ball after golf mm-hmm. ball into this lake around surrounding a green. And they're like, there's got to be thousands of golf balls in there. And so the two of them and the dog go, and they sell golf balls for a quarter each. So they make like $9 one day. So this is, you know, probably 30, 30 years ago or whatever, 25, 30 years ago. And so that's, you know, a sizable amount of money, especially for two kids, right? And I like that a lot. And then the next scene, they go to the convenience store and they are they're like returning the glass bottles. And oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. this kind of cheapens the last thing. Like I felt like the one was cute. Now it's just like... Why do two? Like, why not have, like, ten? Like, why do two? It was this weird thing. But I really did like the, the oh, we could make money like the doing the hustling this. kind of thing. That reminded me of, uh, was that the Shia Golf movie where they, like, washed the balls and, like, sold, like, sold them back or something? I don't know. I, mean, I feel like we saw that somewhere along the way. We watched a lot of golf movies. Yeah. It is kind of strange. I also really like the job. So there's this, like, gang of misfits in town that, like, it hates them. I guess because they're the yeah. kids. And they show up one time and the cop, who's the cop? cop is somebody famous. He's recognizable. I don't know if he's famous, but like I've seen him in other things, and I can't remember who the cop is. It's Mr. McAllister, the guy, oh, yes. the dad from Home Alone, yes. who's in Chud, the guy John from Chud. John Hurd. Hurd? John Hurd? Maybe. He recently passed away, but what's interesting is if you watch Chud, he's in it, and so is one of the sti- one of the sticky bandits is in Chud, not Joe Pesci, the other guy. Uh, so it's funny. They Daniel were both, Stern. Daniel Stern. They were both in Chud, and then they were both in Home Alone. They don't have any scenes in Home Alone, but it would have been interesting to be like, hey, I haven't seen you since Chud. That would have been, you know, and then Chud shows up in Us. Like, Chud is all over the place. Yeah. Um, it sure is. <laughs> it sure is. That's the end of that conversation. Um, number two, so the kids are mean to him. They want to keep. And so there's a scene where, like, they're hanging out, and Elijah does not get beat up. It's the younger brother who's always the victim of the father. And every time something goes wrong, because the dad comes home, and the stepdad comes home, the king comes home, gets drunk, gets mad about something, and beats the kid. Right. And Dr. Melfi is just like, I don't know what's going on. It's never going to happen yeah, again. And yeah. it keeps happening. There's a scene where the kids show up and, like, come, we want to play football. We want to play football. And you can hear via Tom Hanks voiceover because of course it is his like lament that like I can't leave the kid because if I leave the kid he's going to get beat up but I also like want to have friends and whatever and they go and like I think that eventually you know they go and they just they all beat they the shit out beat of him up. they yeah. play a game that we casually I mean wildly offensive now but we used to play a game called Smear the Queer do you know that one? Whoa, no 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 there's other I think there's worse worse names than that but basically you have a football and whoever has a football you just like beat them up oh yeah we used to call that like you're it I think yeah. or something like that less <laughs> offensive but there's also worse more offensive things than that but basically they're playing that like it's not football but it's like a bunch of kids with right, a football like a keep away kind of thing and then what's nice about that is that Elijah Wood basically kicks the shit out of the leader and then they're all like yeah go get him or whatever but I thought that that, that generated a lot of tension like the conflict between like do I stay and pro- try to protect my brother like I can't really stop it but I don't want to leave it but I also like I thought that was a really That's kind of well done scene and then there was one other one that I really liked and it's so obvious what it is and then they say his name it's like well yeah of course like of course but when they get gas at the end oh, to like yeah. rev up to go and 
it's very obviously the kid who did it 10 years ago was the gas station who attendant. Who failed, yeah. And he grew up to be a gas station attendant in that town. Yes. yes. And then you hear somebody say, like, hey, fish, phone call. It's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, who else would it be? But, like, it's this very sweet, tender moment that's kind of undermined by, like, oh, they might not get it. But I thought those were, like, in a nearly two-hour movie, there were three scenes I was like, oh, this actually really works for me. I actually quite like how it started with that super flashback in black and white and everything, and it was like, to tell this story, we have to go back to before I was mm-hmm. born. And so, like, if I had to pick, like, a scene or moment or something, it was that early on, but... So let's talk about the things you didn't like. Oh, what my didn't God. Like so, I mean, there's only... There's there's two specific things. Oh, wait, things, hold on, sorry. Like, One other thing that I liked is that all movie long, I kept thinking of Birdie. You flew? How you flew? Oh, yeah, 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 Birdie. Yes. You flew. So, obviously, you know, with the, the dog violence is terrible in yes. this movie. And that... Shane, the dog Shane. He's a good dog. Yeah. That bothered me so much. Like, just, it, days going so far. And it's like you said, it's almost like, oh, they're not going to get it. Like, they're kids watching this movie. They don't want to understand. We really got to, like, pour it on thick. I think they went a little too far showing, like, the gore and stuff for that dog and everything. And then... But the dog um, does live. That's important. Yes, 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 yes. And I think that felt like a rewrite. Maybe, where, like, the dog Very actually possibly. did die, and it's like, wait, like, this is going too far, this is too bad. And then Hanks' voiceover, I mean, it's just fucking relentless. <laughs> it is just, like, I don't mind if it's there, here and there, yeah. but there's, like I said, literally parts where he's, like, reading the fucking script or something. Like, he's reading, if you do the script reading, he's the guy not reading the dialogue, he's reading all the stage direction. He's like, and then my brother and I went over there and picked <laughs> up an apple and tried to share it, and then, and then I said, <laughs> it's just, like, there was one Crazy. voiceover, and I don't remember when it was, but there was one where it was like, oh, like, here's actually, like, he felt like he was emoting. Like, it felt like he was acting mm-hmm. as opposed to just narrating it. And, like, it sort of caught me off guard because there's so much of it. It's too much. And I was just like, oh, huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not opposed to having it because I know it's like, stand by me, does it perfectly, right? And uh, this just, it's kind of felt like they're trying to do a lot of that stand by me kind of thing. But I yeah. think what worked for that movie is they were like five years older than these kids or so, or four at least years older than these kids. Plus, they swear because they're Stephen King kids. Oh, but these kids do swear because they play, again, I don't know why this is in the movie, oh, but they play the, the uh, banana song. Banana Fofana. Yeah. They play it with Buck. And of course, that's a bad thing. And they're like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'll wash my mouth out with soap. I'm sorry. I'm just like, why Why is that in the movie? What? You, like, I guess they're showing, like, hey, they're good kids. Plus, the, you know, it's PG-13. It's PG I'm assuming they're allowed one fuck, so why not, like, have, like, the little kids say it? Who gets the fuck? My biggest problem with the movie, and I know that this is told from a kid's point of view, and it's supposed to be sort of like a fairy tale story, but I hated that the dad was such a caricature. Like, he's just oh, pure evil. You never see his face. You see it toward the end, but yes, for a while you don't see it, and then like he's crying, and like the camera cuts down, and he's covering his fan, his hand, his face with his hand. Yeah. I think after he reforms, you might catch like a quick glimpse of it. Like I thought that was cool, but I felt like it was too on the nose. It's the same reason you just mentioned it before. Yeah. Why I don't like it is because there's no shades of gray. It's like, oh, he's oh, bad. Oh, well, there's all, all that gray water. But no, but I mean... But I hear you. It's still the same thing. Like, he's just... There's nothing redeeming about him. And it's like, if he's that bad... Like, I know that this is a kid's movie. You're not going to have scenes with just, like, Dr. Melfi. But, like, there's got to be a reason why he's why she still stays with him. Right. Other than just, like, she was left once and she doesn't want to be left again and she's willing to tolerate it. Like, I, I know that that might be the mentality. But, like, nobody's just a pure villain. And in this movie, he's just, like, he's just a monster. Yeah. And it just feels annoying that he doesn't have anything to do other than just like hit the kid and drink right well what bothers me about that too is that it's being told by an adult he's rem- he's remembering what he was 
doing as a child and stuff, but he's still an adult, right? So like he should have that detail filled in. You know what I'm saying? Like it almost that's why it almost feels like the beginning and end feel like they were tagged on after the movie yes. because they needed help explaining what the hell was happening. Yep. And and like regarding you know, hiding the adult's face and this being from, like, the child's point of view. Even a movie like E.T., right, where they keep, you know, the guy, the guy, like, it's a reveal at the end of the second act. Oh, the guy who they've been chasing has been chasing E.T., you finally see his face, and it's like, oh, he's actually a nice, normal guy, and, everything. like, the reveal is like a reversal. And I don't know, I just feel like if they did go a little more into if we had a scene without the children right so it was like actual reality mm-hmm. and we could see him maybe try and get a job or get like down on his luck and like yeah, yeah, the yeah. reality of what he's actually going through instead of like this inflated version of their you know perception and i think to the movie's credit it's committed to the the story it's telling but again it still doesn't make for a satisfying they don't go far enough with like the crazy fantasy stuff you know well i think they wanted to and they just cut it all out like when richard donner took it over they tried to ground it and i don't know why they grounded it because like yeah. if the story is about how kids escape a traumatic situation through fantasy why is there only one of those scenes right you know it's it's either do a bunch or don't do it at all Yes, agreed. It's got to keep popping up throughout. And you know what they could have done, too, is they could have done something like what they do with it and make the dad more of a malevolent presence where, like, they imagine creatures and monsters or whatever that come in and, like, ruin their fun and stuff, and then they turn around and it's like, oh, it's their dad, you know? It's like, anyway. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, All right, so, Mike, do you want to... What would this movie be like with Tom Cruise? I mean, it, it would be the same because he's not really in the movie. Yeah, exactly. I think Elijah Wood looks more like a young Tom Cruise than a young Tom Hanks. I'll say that much. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Do you want to Stan Lee yourself into here? Is there a place mm. that you would find yourself? Because there's not a lot of adults in this movie intentionally, right? Like right. it's a kid's story told by kids about kids, kind of for kids, question mark? There's the cop, there's the king, there's Dr. Melfi, there's Hanks, but like... I, I expected a, a scene with the ice cream man or something, but I don't know. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. You know what I'd be, I think I'd be at the very end. I'd be like, hey, Hanks, get off that runway. It's dangerous <laughs> out here. <laughs> it's about where I'd put myself. All right. Yeah, I don't know where I would go. I, um, I'm i going to keep myself out of the movie. All right. You know, That's just, totally I just don't fair. Want to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question, the answer for sure is does Tom Hanks do anything in this movie to become America's dad? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. He is just, he's purely dad through and through. And he's not a character either. He's just a caricature of just being yeah. dad, right? Father, he's fatherly advice. He's father incarnate, right? You might, you might say. Yeah, and it's very, like, groan-inducing at, at times, too. So, Mike, the last thing we have to do is to nominate this for the Woodies, the best and worst hmm. of the Tom Hanks filmography. Do we want to nominate this for worst film? I don't think it deserves to be on the list because he's just not on screen enough for me to consider it a Tom Hanks movie in that kind of That's way. Fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't think it's enough of a Tom Hanks movie for it to... So I, what I will say is most terrible. wasted performance then. Yes, Because yeah, yeah. why did we watch this movie if... If Tom Hanks is barely in this... Best ensemble, no. Best fight, no. Because, again, this is all sort of him. Dance, party, wardrobe, no. Death, line, freak out, no. Soundtrack, no. Love story, best or worst. And then, do we want to nominate Elijah Wood for best non-Hanks actor male? I mean, he's a great kid actor, but right. also, it's kind of just... we could just You know what's weird, award. though? Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay. So, he's he might deserve a special award now. He might, he might deserve the, like, cross cast award where like he was in the trust with cage he was in the trust with cage yep but wasn't he also was he in something with keanu i'm sorry that was shia and i'm thinking yeah and i'm thinking of the witch hunter with vin diesel so he was in a vin diesel movie never mind i thought we had like the uh crossover he was never in anything with Charlize. okay uh, all right so yeah he's no uh 
the Russian guy. <laughs> I can't think. I can't pull it right now. Stomare? Peter, Peter Stomare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no... Peter Stomare still holds the, the title to that. Let me see if there's been anything else. I've seen a bunch of his movies that I can't really recommend. Also, as we record this, it is in the midst of Fantastic Fest, and I, if I were there, I would be seeing him every day and texting my friend like, oh, I just saw Elijah. Uh, you know, he's nice. I haven't really talked to him, talked to him. Is Elijah Wood in anything else? He was in Happy Feet, so he was almost in a Shia movie, but he oh, you know, surfs up. But... You know who directed that, though, was uh, Mad Max's own. George Miller? Yep. There's a sort of Charlize crossover. He was in Sin City and Eternal Sunshine, which feel like they could have, we mm-hmm. could have covered them, but we mm-hmm. didn't. He was in The Faculty, which Wistful covered. It's also got Tuna Girl. What's her name? From Fast and Furious. It's got... Uh, tuna Girl. Yeah, she sells tuna. Mia to, Toretto. M- yeah, Mia's in that movie. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean... I just... Tuna Girl. You can't tune a piano, or you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. He plays Video Game Boy in Back to the Future 2. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, that's right. And Wild Gunman. You have to use your hands. It's like a baby's toy. Any other thoughts? We have the one award radio nah, flyer. Sorry, guys. Most wasted performance. That's fine. Mike, the good news is that next episode, so next week over on Cruise Club, we're going to do Magnolia. Oof, Last week yeah. we did Eyes Wide Shut. And then next Man. episode here on this feed, A League of Their Own. Da-da-da-da. Very exciting. So A League of Their Own, Sleepless in Batter Seattle, up. Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13. Ooh, a League of Their Own. Story Story. That right in time for October baseball. Ooh, yeah. Playoff baseball, baby. Very cool. Coming out on October 18th. Yeah, we are now in October now, officially, way. for Radio Flyer. We're kicking off Spooky Month with uh, Radio Flyer, the most scary movie of all. For all things Hanks from the Memories, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of the movie, the show, whatever. Come back in two weeks for a league of their own. Go check out Cruise Club. You know, just go do those things. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you in two weeks for a league of their own right here on Hanks for the Memories. That day we wished the king never find out about the mess we made. He never did.